Good morning. Welcome to Patch Chapel. Glad that you are here uh, to worship. Uh, we saw the movie Jesus Revolution yesterday. I saw a few of you there. Did anybody go see it here? Yeah. Uh, very moved by it. And then this was my reading this morning um, uh, in my own quiet time. And so I wanted to bring that to you this morning. Leviticus 19. The Lord spoke to Moses. Speak to the entire Israelite community and tell them, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you is to respect his mother and father. You are to keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to worthless idols or make cast images of gods for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. You know, this really is the type of command we would expect uh, from God. Be holy like me. Uh, but what's interesting is what follows right after that. Instead of describing this really kind of vague, ambiguous, you can live however you want as long as you're not too bad of a person kind of Christian lifestyle. Uh, he presents a very orderly and disciplined life. That being holy is respect for parents, being holy is church attendance, being holy is this singular focus on God as the most important person in your life. And that's why we're here today. So I hope you never overlook the significance of church attendance. For, for by it, you're saying, God, I want to be holy. Make me holy for you. And so let us pray. God, we come together in this place completely dependent on you, dependent on you to change our lives, to make us better than we could be on our own. We accept that you're the only God, and we want to be here today with these other people to worship you. Thank you that you loved us enough to give us these kinds of commands that we read this morning and to bring order into our chaotic world. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Now, would you join as we sing our first hymn, number 21, O Four Thousand Tongues to Sing? All right, please be seated for a minute. Well, if we have not met, my name is Kelly Porter. I'm the Deputy Command Chaplain for European Command. I have been uh, TDY the last three weeks. And you'll notice the next couple of months, we're just playing uh, musical chairs with the pastors here. You just kind of fill in. Eric is in the U.S. at a family life conference uh, for some training to better serve you as a marriage and family counselor. He's going to take some much-needed leave uh, at, through March. And so uh, we're just thankful for him. And I know, I know we miss him uh, when he's gone. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> pray that you continue uh, to come and to desire to meet with the Lord uh, in this place. Hey, we have entered a seizing a season of preparing for Easter. Some in the, in the church observe Ash Wednesday and Lent. I did not grow up with those specific church activities. This past week I was in the UK, got to go to an Ash Wednesday service at an Anglican church in, in Gloucester. A very moving experience. But you know, the, the, the idea of preparing ourselves so that we can fully grasp the suffering and the death and resurrection of Christ, that's always a good thing. Um, and so I encourage you over these next few weeks to really commit to a time of Bible reading and prayer and confession. Just wake up 15 minutes earlier 
That's, that's easy to do, right? Just wake up 15 minutes earlier, build that into your, to your schedule, and uh, you'll find it worthwhile. But I do want to ask you, uh, I know we've said it before, but mark your calendars for Easter weekend on 7, 8, and 9 April. So a lot more details to follow on what's going to happen, but we'll have some special uh, services, some special gatherings on that Friday and Saturday, not just Sunday morning. And I know as the temperatures warm up, so do your calendars and all of your duties and responsibilities elsewhere. So I want to encourage you to, to, to remain faithfully committed to the life and growth of Patch Chapel this year and, and throughout this season. You're really not going to regret it as God gives you the strength and the, the energy and the devotion to carry out those other responsibilities. Ministry, continue working on your expression of just how excellent Jesus is through all the, the many different uh, modes and, and manners of art. And again, we collect that on Palm Sunday. Okay, well, let's continue to worship uh, in song, hymn number 705, It Is Well With My Soul. Today's Old Testament scripture comes from Isaiah 35, verses 3 through 10. This will be found on page 508 in your pew Bibles. Isaiah 35, 3 through 10. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, and with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals, where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sign shall flee away. The New Testament scripture comes from 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 13. It will be found on page 842 in your pew Bibles. 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 13. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we also will reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Or if our ushers would come forward, we will receive the offering at this point. Please be seated. Hey, I failed to mention that uh, today, today's offering was a designated offering 
Uh, you can find the, uh, the information in the inside of the bulletin. It is for Heartbeat International, which is a, a ministry that supports the dignity of human life. It helps with families uh, going through a pregnancy. Uh, and so that's what our offering today went for. Heartbeat International. I encourage you to look up this organization, learn more about the great ministry that they do. And also point you to the back of the, the bulletin with instructions to give your offering through our online uh, contribution system. My family and I started using this, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago. Because with all the travel, work travel, we're not always physically here at chapel. But we can continue to, to give our offering on a regular basis. And, and for us, uh, this has been a great tool. And so if, if you are able and need to, to give that way, just know it is, it is always available. And uh, if you're ever given by check, that is made out to the Chapel Tithe and Offering Fund. So that is the designated offering. We're going to have a time of prayer now. There were a few things on my mind that I would ask us to, to pray for. I just want to mention those and then see what God is, is doing in your life. Uh, First, I thank God that we can be here. So a few weeks ago, Ryan and I were in Romania for a conference where we hosted chiefs of chaplains from across Europe. And uh, what an amazing time that was. Uh, my family and I got to go a few days early. We worshiped with the Holy Trinity Baptist Church in Bucharest. And over the last few months of working with the planners from Romania, uh, I got to hear their story about growing up during the communist period, uh, where churches were, were at, at best minimized and at worst destroyed. Uh, our, our, this particular uh, church, Holy Trinity, had been on a, a main boulevard going through the city, and Ceausescu did not want any religious institutions visible, seen, uh, and so he tore their building down, put up apartments, and they were forced to move several blocks uh, inland. But the, the good news is Satan always overplays his hand because the church really thrived, uh, and they were doing awesome and doing a tremendous ministry to Ukraine right now. Uh, and so uh, I want us to, to continue to, uh, to pray for, for Ukraine as we have been doing. Pray for the churches there. What uh, can you imagine doing ministry in a combat zone? You know, as a civilian pastor, as a congregation, let's pray for them. Let's pray for these Ukrainian churches, um, and and of course, success uh, for what's happening there and for God's will to be done. Let's pray for our pastor Eric. Let's pray for him to be renewed, re-energized, really refreshed for ministry and and to serve his family. And then, third thing, I had mentioned uh, the movie Jesus Revolution. Um, I encourage you to see it. If you, if you get the opportunity, it's, it's not planned today, but let's pray for a revival, for, for Christians to have this greater desire to walk in, in, in obedience to God, and for a spiritual awakening, for, for people to come to know Christ for the first time. Uh, you know, this movie was about the, the Jesus People movement in the 1970s. Let's pray for another massive response to God, um, just like... Uh, they had, not, not for an experience, but just for a genuine, sincere devotion to God. So in addition to that, is there anything you would like for us to pray for this morning?
Yes. Okay, we sure will. Many others traveling too. Yes. And what is his name? Bob. Bob. That's pretty easy. Bob. Anything else? Yes, sir. Okay, we sure will. Anything else today? All right, let's pray. God, we thank you that we get to know you. You are the awesome God, the God of the universe, the holy God. And that can be a terrifying thing if we know we're fighting and resisting and, and sinning against you. Um, in that case, you are a terrifying God. But God, you're also loving and you've accepted us and you've forgiven us. So we thank you that we can look you in the face. And one day we're going to look at you fully and completely in the face. Uh, what an incredible, incredible moment that will be. But God, until then, we have this life to go through. We need your help. We need your strength. And so many around us need to rely on you. God, we lift up everyone this morning we have mentioned. I, I pray for our brothers and sisters in, in Ukraine. God, give them safety, physical safety. God, give them just a very strong and resilient uh, spirit and dependence on you. We pray that their, their voice would be heard. We pray that your message we continue to go out across the land. We thank you for what you've done in that country for the last couple of decades where you have raised up churches, you've raised up seminaries, you have trained people in, in doing ministry, and now it's, it, it's time to, to put all of that into practice, and, and they've been doing that. And so we pray that we know that your plans don't fail, but God, we, we pray that their faith would not fail. We pray that it would continue to trust and, and hope in you. We pray for our pastor, Eric, that in this time, he really would be renewed. We thank you for the work he's done here and, and how you've used him. And I, I pray that we'll continue and, and that this would be a true community of, uh, of unity, of faith, hope, and love. And Lord, we pray for our land. We pray for our country and our countries uh, around the world that we would see people turn into you in in confession and in humility we pray others would have their eyes opened for the first time ever to know what it is to trust in jesus may, may we see a just a massive change like we've seen in in times gone by lord just that that people would choose to live the rest of their lives for you that's that's what we hope for and Lord, several mentioned here this morning with travel, uh, with injuries and medical conditions. Many others we know um, are in the back of our mind. We're thinking of their names right now. We're seeing their face as, even as we pray. We pray for your intervention 
in, in all of those for safe travel, for continued uh, work and ministry here. We pray for others who have been injured. We pray for others who are sick. We pray for others breathing their, their final last breaths, maybe even today. And God, we pray that you would bring healing in each of these. Surround them with your people who could comfort. To know they're not alone. Thank you for your goodness. We pray all of this in your holy name. Amen. Well, uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Ryan. If I haven't met you, um, I'm one of the volunteers here at, the, at our humble Patch Chapel here in Stuttgart. I, I'm really glad that my voice, that I still have my voice uh, today, because yesterday was our very first uh, CYS wrestling tournament. Um, see here, all the, all the wrestlers. So I'd like to begin by saying, um, if, you, if you wrestled in this tournament yesterday, would you please, would you please stand? Let's recognize all our wrestlers here. All right, give them a round of applause. Okay, please have a seat. It takes a lot of courage to step out in in a sport where you're the only one out there. You can't blame the defense or the offense or or this or that. You're the only person out there. It's a tremendous amount of courage that that people have to go through to do this. So uh, here's a, a few pictures of what we had yesterday. I'm, I'm, one of the, I'm one of the volunteer coaches as well, uh, but, but uh, I don't know who was more tired, my children or me yesterday, because I was just on the edge of my seat, sweating. Um, yes, any other parents in here that your, your kids wrestled? Yes, right there in the back. How'd you feel? Did you make it? Jeremy? Tired. <laughs> yes, that's right. So here we have, there's Kylie. I think this is Noah. Is that you, Noah? Yes. And Tristan, Giselle, Mina, and, and Ryder. So, yes, uh, another round of applause for them. It's, it's, oh, yes, right there. And, and, and Killian and Lucy as well. Okay, so everybody who stepped out there is so proud of you. Um, did you know, raise your hand if you're a wrestler in here. Okay, so every hand should go up, right, because we all wrestle, which is the title of today's well, it's not it's one of the titles I was thinking about, that we all are wrestlers. Whether you like it or not, the rest of your life will be spent wrestling. And you might think it would be wrestling with mean people or bullies at school or your mean supervisor or your noisy neighbor above or below you. Or your, It can go on and on and on. But the Bible tells us our real wrestling match is not against flesh and blood. It's never with people. It's with principalities and powers. It's with rulers in the spiritual, heavenly places. That's where the real fight is. But the world will tell you, oh, your neighbor is so annoying, you should say something to them. Oh, that person who cut you off, that is, you should do this. I was at a wrestling tournament in in Virginia. Ryder had made it to the semifinals of MAWA, Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Association. It's a big deal. It's a big tournament. Ryder was 45 pounds. Uh, 
and we make it, and they call his name once and twice. They said, Ryder Barang, report Matt 3. And I had him outside breathing, you know, fresh air. We got in, and they had called it the final call, and so we run over there, and then the, uh, the other dad said, sorry, you guys are too late. The ref said, yeah, you're too late. Well, we just called it. And I said, you got to be kidding me. Your son's right there. My son's right here. Just let the boys get some mat time. Let them, let them go at it. And, he, and the dad said, sorry, rules is rules. And, uh, and then my flesh kicked in. And then the other coaches, Coach Aaron is holding me back, and I'm like, like fight us, you cowards. And, and so Aaron, Aaron is also a pastor, and he's, he's a Navy chaplain. He brings me back. He just said, right, Ryan, it's, it's okay. He brings me away, and the other coach says, you should be bitter. <laughs> and I go, no thanks, Coach. I'm not going to do that. My, my wrestling match was not with that dad. It's what's going on in my heart. The heart of every issue is the issue of the heart. That is the key in spiritual warfare. In spiritual warfare, it's not about what's going on around me. It's about what's going on inside me. It's about the voices in my head that tell me what to do with what just happened. So what if life was not about any of the external circumstance, external circumstances, but it was always about where my heart is, where I see myself with the Lord, and, and then how I see myself uh, with, with people, okay? We are on week nine of our sermon series called The Excellence of Jesus. So week by week, we've been going through how Jesus is excellent in his mission statement, how Jesus is excellent with how he deals with children, how Jesus is excellent, how he deals with, with men, with women, how he deals with his church. And today, the title is Jesus' Excellence in the Bondage Breaker, as the bondage breaker, as someone who breaks the bonds of sin in our lives. This is the whole mission of God, that, that we would be saved from the penalty of sin, that we would be saved from the power of sin in our lives, and that eventually we'd be saved from the presence of sin in our lives. There's the three tenses of salvation. I have been saved. Paul uses all three. I am being saved here and now and today. And then I will be saved when I'm absent from the body and face-to-face -face with the Lord and we, we don't even have the presence of sin around anymore. That is the whole plan of God from, from the beginning to the end. Man messed it up, and if you see in the Bible, God, has, God spends all this time from here to here fixing that. Shalom in the beginning, peace, was, was fractured in the fall of man, and every story after that is the story of how God's restoring shalom here on earth as it is in heaven. I, I would like to... Uh, just begin with the end in mind. Uh, this book has changed my life more than any other book. And uh, last year, uh, USAG uh, Stuttgart Garrison said, hey, we have, we have extra money. You know, end of the year money we need to spend. How do you want to spend it? And so uh, Pastor Eric had asked a bunch of us in the church, hey, what, what's, what are the top books that you recommend? Right away I said, Bondsbreaker was at the top of my list. So we purchased, actually, I guess you purchased it, right, with your taxpayer dollars, uh, all these books, all these books right here. These are all 
the bondage breaker. And um, I believe in a sovereign God, that there's no accidents, there's no coincidences, just God incidences. Um, we had a bunch of these, but then a bunch of people took them. And then I was upset this morning when I found that out, but then I realized God's in control, so those people probably really needed it. And then this is all we have left. But uh, for, the, for the next... For, oh, am I clicking this thing? Oh, boy, okay. For the next... Um, 30 minutes, okay, for the next 30 minutes or so, I want you to be praying. And here, here's the prayer I want you to, to pray. Lord, is that for me? Is this the season in my life where I need to do that? And we've been doing this for, Jeanette and I have been doing this for, for, for years. First time I was exposed to this was in 2012. Just a really quick story. I was, I was super angry. I was a super angry person. And almost everybody says, I can't imagine you angry. But just imagine it, okay? Use your imagination. I remember one time Jeanette was, was pregnant with Giselle. We were stationed in San Diego at 32nd Street. And I was angry. I was so angry about something that I turned uh, to my side as I walked away and I punched this plastic bin. It was like one of those plastic bins. So now Jeanette's crying, and then Ryder's crying. He's just a baby. He's, he's sitting at the table, and I say, you know what? I'm out of here. I have, I have a ship. I have a stateroom on a ship. I can go there anytime, whatever. I get to the ship, and then I call my mentor. His name is Plumber Dan. He said I'm just a, he's just a plumber. Never went to seminary. Never, never, never studied the Bible uh, official, you know, in a, in a, in a uh, school setting. But he knew Jesus. He knew Jesus. He hung out with Jesus. He talked to Jesus every morning. And he says, hey, Barangatang. That's, that was my nickname. My last name is Barang. He said, hey, Barangatang. You know, going, leaving for two hours is cool. That's cool. But anything more than that, I'm telling you, that's from the enemy. And my background is that I look down upon any kind of spiritual warfare ministry, any kind of talk of spiritual warfare, any kind of deliverance ministry. I was just anti that. I was anti that. So, so Plumber Dan mentions this for the first time, and I'm thinking, spiritual warfare from the enemy? What are you talking about? And he goes, here, Barangatang, I'll, just, I'll tell you what. I want to take you through something called the bondage breaker. So I went on Amazon, and I bought a copy. I bought a 1990s copy of the bondage breaker, and I would, I would ride my bike to the train station. It was like 5 in the morning, and I would read the bondage breaker every morning on my way to 32nd Street. We lived in Chula Vista, so I would just ride the train with a bunch of people who just jumped on from Tijuana to 32nd Street, if you've ever been stationed there. And as I'm reading this book, I, I become really interested because it's opening my eyes for the first time on how spiritual warfare happens. Now, can you imagine this? From the youngest child in here to the oldest, imagine this, that there's a war going on all around us that you can't see. Can you imagine that? Angels in demons. One of Satan's greatest tricks is to convince the church that that's not going on. One of the greatest tricks that the devil has is to convince you that he doesn't exist and that you just carry on. That is, that is the art of deception. If you read warfare, you know, the, the art, the Sun Tzu, right, or Sun Tzu, whatever, however you say it, 
um, deception is used in warfare because that's how you beat your enemy. You give them 99% truth and 1% lie, and then you got them. It doesn't need to be a huge lie. Now, for the children in here, listen, listen to me closely. You know who's going to offer you drugs or something bad for you? It, it, might, it might be your friend. It might be your neighbor. It might be your cousin. It might be your sibling. It might be someone who you know and trust that was, is going to introduce you. It's not going to be that person in the, in the corner with no teeth with a trench going, like, ha, you want some drugs? No. You know to stay away from that person. You, you know that person's dangerous. So you, just feel, you don't go near them. But how people get introduced to bad things in their life is, is when they let their guard down and then they give, them, they give them the bad thing. All kinds of abuse happens. The majority of abuse that happens, parents, if you know what I mean, is from people that you trusted, that you trusted your children with. It's my story. And it's a lot of people's story. So when the enemy attacks us, he gives us 99.99% truth and one little sliver of a lie. And then he's got you hook, line, and sinker. So as I'm reading this book, I become fascinated with, with uh, freedom ministry. And today's that I'm just mixing it up, okay? This is not a, a, a normal sermon. I'm sharing my heart with you. And I'm really trying to not sell this to you, but I'm just saying there's, there's people in here who... who as you pray, you're going to say, I want one of those books. So come up here after the service and just, just get one. And if we run out, we'll buy more. Okay? Does that sound good? Okay. So um, this, this, book, this book changed my life. So we moved to Hawaii. And Plumber Dan, I'm, I, am a, I am a support guy for a SEAL team which was one of the coolest things I've ever done because I'm around a bunch of tough people, right? But then I started to meet people who said, here's what I'm really struggling with. And so my, the greatest joy I have in being a Navy chaplain is that I have confidentiality like nobody else has. Like the only people in the entire DOD who have true confidentiality are, are chaplains, Army, Navy, Air Force, they're the only people who can hear something and not say something. Period. Homicide, suicide, threats to national security, child abuse, elder abuse, you name it. There, there is no exception to that rule. I'm covered by Secretary of the Navy Instruction 1730.9 Alpha. And I've got that memorized because people, I have to keep saying it over and over again. My ears are graves where you can bury your problems and begin healing. And, and I only want to hear, not only, but I want to hear the 1%. Because the 1% is where people experience freedom. Most of us can be 99% known, which is, that's easy. But it's that 1% that keeps us in bondage, keeps us shackled up, keeps us pressed down with shame, toxic shame and guilt. And isolation is not the worst things we do, friends, but it is how we do all the worst things. So for someone to make the cover of Navy Times, Marine Corps Times, Army Times, or Air Force crimes, whatever you want to call it, they at first had to have been isolated and said, I'm not telling anybody about that. I'm certainly not telling anybody about that. And then they just begin to downward spiral until they step into a realm of being known by their, by their friends, by their community. We, we, I call that 
Christ-centered, gospel-centered community until all those things get exposed and it no longer has bondage on them. So we get to Hawaii. I'm around all these tough people, but they start, they start reading me into their story, and I go, huh, wow, that's cool. You're just like the rest of us. And then someone, some of them started to say, I want freedom. So I called Plumber Dan. He had visited Hawaii, and he said, I'll tell you what, Barangatang, let's take some of these people through the, through the steps of freedom. Long story short, we take five people through, and then we take five more through. He goes back to California and comes back for a second round. We take more people through, and I become hooked. I think after 12 times of bringing people through, I'm hooked. And I go, that's what I was called to do. I want to spend the rest of my life doing that. Sitting in a room, and we're not, we're not doing anything special. We would say, we are, we are just two cups. There's a person there in the hot seat, and we would say, we're just cups. We have nothing to offer until God fills us up with him and then moves the cup to you and then you take a drink of that water and you never thirst again. Or your thirst is quenched. So we're just here facilitating. And we're just, we're just going to ask you a bunch of questions. So my original book when we started doing this has tears all in it and it is mangled. You'll see chapter 13 that's like right here. It has, people have gripped this thing. People have like cried in it. People have like slammed it because we keep taking them through and through, and, and it's just an exhaustive list of, hey, have you ever done this? Have you ever done this? Have you ever done this? Have you ever played with a magic eight ball? And people will go, yeah, it's just a toy, right? Well, here's what that opens you up to. Seeking guidance from something that's not God, that, that, that could be influenced by something else, and that becomes your guidance rather than God. So we renounce it as evil and offensive in God's sight, and thank you for your forgiveness. And we just move on and on. And by the end of this, by the end of these sessions, we, we ended up saying, you know what? No watches allowed. We take our watches off. And at the time, I had a flip phone. And I said, I'm taking the battery out. Put it away. And we, it would just be, we end when we end. We used to bring food. Uh, the longest I've been in a room with someone is my friend Matt, who's an F-18 pilot, who doesn't mind me sharing. He actually encouraged me to share a story. 18 hours in a room with Matt. 18 hours. His forgiveness section took a long time because he had a lot of people to forgive. And his pride section took a long time because he had a lot of pride. I think, and then uh, during that first stint, uh, Jeanette and her lady friend said, you know what? That shouldn't be just for guys. We want to go through too. So I think when Jeanette went through, she was 14 hours. Was it about 14 hours? Came back like, 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 like Moses coming out of Mount Sinai, I just saw this glow in her face. Something was different. When we take females through, when I take a female through, I have Jeanette there because I think that's appropriate. I brought this back to my family, and I said, this is, this is something I think we should, all, we should all do. Brought my brother through. Amazing courage that he stepped right into. And in his session, he goes, hey, you remember when this happened when we were kids? And I go, I didn't even think about that. Time out. Let me do my own forgiveness prayer right now. We brought in my sister. Hey, do you remember when this happened when, when, you know, when we were little kids? Oh, my gosh. We bring in my cousin. He's like, oh, my gosh, that was real? And all these things. And, and the lie in our family started to get bro broken down. And I have goosebumps right now. Like, 
it just one by one, like a domino effect. Boom, boom, boom. And the enemy is going, no, I had this whole family like, like wrapped around my finger in, in a lie. They, they weren't aware, and things started to happen. When I would take people through, they would experience physical healing. One story, my, my buddy, he's a surface warfare officer in the Navy, could not get his wife pregnant. They had physical problems. We take him through the steps. He experiences healing. She experiences healing. They have a baby. I'm not saying that's the standard. I'm saying it happened. That happened twice, actually. Another, a master chief went through. For 10 years, they'd been trying to have a baby. He finally, he finally comes to one of our, our workshops. It actually wasn't this one. It was another one. And he goes, chaps, my wife's, got, my wife's pregnant. 10 years trying. My wife's finally pregnant. I'm not, I'm not promising that. I'm, saying, I'm just saying these stories have happened. And God is capable of anything. Um, so after that, I knew I was hooked. And we started doing them over and over and over again. And then I just became obsessed with this ministry. Like, Beth Moore said it so well. She said, freedom is more addictive than bondage. So when you finally taste freedom, you're like, okay, that's what I'm doing now. I want to do that. Freedom is way more addictive than bondage. And um, so I, as I started doing more reading and more research, I said, fine, this, you know what? Lord, it was in Virginia. It was 2016, and I was driving down the freeway, and I said, Lord, is this the time for me to do a, a, a doctorate? I said, I need a sign. And so I'm driving down the 64, and there was a, literally a sign. It said Regent University, number one online. And I go, Lord, that's literally a sign. So I signed up to do a doctor of ministry on freedom ministry. The title of the dissertation was, was uh, uh, a one-day workshop, uh, a Navy chaplain-led workshop for service members seeking lasting freedom from destructive behaviors. So I started studying all these different programs that promised uh, healing for people with PTSD, promised uh, freedom from addictions, and there was an ongoing theme through all of them. One, all the ones I studied, and I studied a lot, 12 inpatient ones where I sat in as a, as a, as a participant in 12 of them and then interviewed about 50 other ones and then read about, I read hundreds of books on other ones. They all had this theme. They were all kind of linked to, to Dr. Anderson's uh, Bondage Breakers. He wrote this in 1989, published it in 1990, and then it just, it, it took off. It took off. In fact, I would like to uh, share with you, uh, if you want to, you can take a picture of this. I have uh, 33 pages of my bibliography, all books about freedom. All books about how people get set free from the addictions that they have, from negative, here's the, it's actually on the title here. Overcoming negative thoughts, irrational feelings, and habitual sins. Anybody in here? Anybody? It should be unanimous. Every hand should go up. Even if you're four years old, you can say, I got so angry at my brother the other day. I got so angry at my sister. What do I do when I get angry? And, and there's, no, there's no reason why we couldn't sit down with, with one of the children in here and, and, and go through and say, go through these. It's a scriptural prayer. When Dr. Anderson wrote this originally, he was a, he was a pastor and he actually served in the Navy as well. And he was a wrestler. And he, and he taught at Talbot uh, Seminary. So I thought that was fascinating. I, I, 
that's where I was first introduced to this. I went to Talbot Seminary at a time where I looked down upon this type of ministry. 20-something years later, I look back and go, that was so genius. I wish I would have got on board uh, back then. I wish I would have got on board back then. But um, he said he used to pray for people as a pastor. He used to pray for them. And he says, you know what, let's just switch it. Why don't they pray themselves? And then I'm just sitting in the room as a person facilitating what's going on with, with God and, and this person. So we start every session by saying, we just pray. Lord, what do you have here today for us? And then the person goes, goes through the prayers. And by the end, there's, there's usually tears. I know, I know we've done a good job when we're going, taking someone through these steps um, if the roof caves in, if there's some... Mon- if there's some Usually they say, hey, you promise? You promise this like stays here? Then I go, oh yeah, it's about to get real. And then they dump it out on us. And then our first words back, the first time I heard this, Palmer Dan, someone said something so heavy. And Palmer Dan looked across and he goes, hey, how does it feel to finally be free? And he goes, it feels great. What else you got? And that, that's what we would say all the time. Someone would drop something super heavy, super shameful, and we'd say, do you feel judged? We don't have any judgment for you. We don't. We can't. What else do you have? Anything else? And they just go through and go through, and they couldn't believe people weren't judging them. Because it's our, it's our number one fear as humans, right? Rejection. If I let you know, then you'll probably reject me, so I'll just keep it to myself. If I give you this 1%, then you probably wouldn't love me, so then you don't get to love me because I'm not going to give you this 1%. That's what's going on. So here's, here's some of the main passages out of this whole book. These, these are some of the concepts. You can write these down. We're, we're not going to exegete and parse every single one of these passages, but these are the ones to remember. Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12 is the wrestler passage. Okay? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I put this verse on my letterman's jacket in high school, not knowing it would be my life verse. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If you're mad at your spouse, guess what? You're not wrestling with them. If you're mad at your neighbor, guess what? You're, re- you're not wrestling with them. It's, it's the enemy whispering into your ear, you should be bitter. You should be so mad. Don't forgive that person. That's all the enemy. And it's, it's happening all around us every moment of the day. Galatians 5.1 says this. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. We were created to live free. We are not supposed to live in bondage. John 8.30-34, that's, that's a good one to just open up and, and, and read. If you have your Bibles, turn to that one. John 8.30-34. John 8, 30 through 34, uh, Jesus talks about freedom. In John chapter 8, 30 through 34, Jesus is in a debate with a bunch of religious people. Okay. He's, in a, he's in a debate with people who are trying to argue with him and trying to put him down and challenge him. And then, 
Verse 30 says this. As he was saying these things, right, he's talking about being the son of man. He's talking about, um, he's revealing his identity as, as, as God. And in verse 30 he says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Okay, so who's the audience? Who's the audience here? Believers or unbelievers? Just believers, right? Yes, it says it right there. Now watch this. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, he's talking to believers, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you. Wait a minute. If they're believers, aren't they already free? So freedom, there's different types of freedom, but there's a freedom that exists for people who already believe in Jesus. They already believe in Jesus, but they're still struggling with something. Some habitual thoughts, some habitual sins, some negative emotions. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're free from all those things, according to Jesus. And then they, look what they say to him. This is classic. We're descendants, of, we're descendants of Abraham, they answered. And we have never been enslaved. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll become free? Okay, that's a lie. You just have to watch any movie about the Old Testament. The Jews were in bondage over and over and over again. You watch Prince of Egypt? Hello, this is... Well, they didn't watch Prince of Egypt. But they were in bondage for a long time. What makes a person say that? Well, that's how Satan gets us. Sin blinds us, it binds us, and then it grinds us. In that order. In that order. So they're deceived. And Jesus, Jesus says... Uh, Let's go to, fast forward to verse 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will really be free. Or your version might say, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So freedom, okay? That's what I want people to know. With, they're like, well, I'm a Christian. Why, why, do I need, why do I need that? First of all, I wouldn't say you need this. I'm saying pray and ask God if this is a time in your life, or a season in your life, where you probably need to do this because these things are not going away. They're, they're nagging. The thoughts are nagging. The, 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 the sins, the habits keep coming back up. Or maybe turn to your spouse or your kids or your neighbor and say, hey, do you, do you think I need this? And they might say, you know what? Dad, I think you need that. Or honey, I think you need that. I think it's time. First time I signed up for, for counseling, which is really humbling because I, got, I, I don't need that. But the first time I did, I got home and I, I, I think the look on Jeanette's face was like, praise God. That's cool. When people eat some humble pie and they finally step into something, they're like, all right, all right, I, I'm tired of this. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17, talks about how we view ourselves. Uh, some, a lot of Christians might see themselves by what they do, but that's not how, how God ever sees us. We're defined based on who we are in him. The whole premise of Freedom in Christ Ministries, the whole premise of this, because he started Freedom in Christ Ministries from this, is that he found that Christians didn't know who they were in Christ. And when they forgot who they were in Christ, then they got into all sorts of bondage. I bought this, um, I bought this poster from Walmart. 
it's an amazing poster. It's just this in all these verses about who we are in Christ. I'm alive in Christ. I'm free from the law of sin. I'm far from oppression. I'm born of God. I'm God's child. Like we have this in our house. And if you would look at this every day and see who you are in Christ, a lot of things would go away. A lot of those emotions would just dissolve. How does Jesus combat lies? He always combats it with truth. Remember when he was tempted in the wilderness? He always came back to the, to the, to the enemy, to the devil, with Scripture. And when you come back with Scripture, the lies disappear. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17 says this. It's Paul speaking. From now on, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. So we don't see them from a fleshly perspective. Even when we have known Christ from a worldly perspective... Yet we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. So that's how we should see ourselves. So that's just a, a few of the verses on how Jesus breaks bondage. In chapter 13 of this book, the, uh, Neil Anderson figured out seven areas where there might be bondage. And I'll just wrap up with this. In each one of these things, I mean, it could be, it could be hours. It could be hours for, for each step. It's evolved. That, that doctrine ended up being a, a, a book that I wrote called Freedom Vision. And it was a mix of all those, all those things that I saw, and I just put it into, into one day workshop. A lot of these things, other workshops I went to were several days, like five days here. Mighty Oaks puts people five days in a, in a really nice place. Um, Operation Restored Warrior, five days in an isolated place in Lake Tahoe. Um, but I believe in one stop, one shot. One shot, one kill. We'll just sit down and, and go till we go. We'll order food and we'll take breaks or whatever, but we'll, we'll just keep going until, until the sun comes up, which has happened before. Counterfeit versus real is, is exposing, okay, what kind of false gospels have I believed in? And it might be your background. You might have been raised in a, in a family where there was just some false teaching. Uh, step two, deception versus truth. What lies am I believing? What lies am I believing? Step three is all about forgiveness. This one's super heavy because you list all the people that you are angry at. And yourself's on the list. God might be on the list. Your neighbor might be on the list. But it's a long, exhaustive list. And when people forget, we have a list to remind them. Hey, how come, your, um, how come your spouse is not on that list? Oh, I forgot. <laughs> okay, well, let's go. Let's deal with that. Uh, pride versus humility. If anybody ever thought they were better than someone else in any way, shape, or form. Step four, rebellion. Rebellion against God-given authority. Six is talking about, like, literal, are you stealing things? Is there any kind of, like, manifested bondage in your life today? And then curses and blessings is... Uh, things that has, has been normal in your family and they just need to stop. I humbly say this, but, but my grandma told me some really racist uh, mindsets. And I didn't understand it until I was older. And I would go, oh, that's not good. We shouldn't think like that. So I had to break that. I had to break that curse. I said, uh, family has taught this to us, but that stops here. And that's no longer going to continue in my family. And I'm not passing that down. I'm not passing down any false things to my children. We break it here. 
and we want to see everybody as created in the Imago Dei. Everybody, I see everybody as created in the image of God. Period. I don't know how else to identify myself other than created in the image of God. So this is it. Is it scary? Yes. It's, that's what courage is. It's not the absence of fear. It's, okay, that's scary, but I'm going to walk through that thing anyways. That's courage. We don't ask God to remove fear from us. We just like, in the midst of the fear, Lord, I trust you, and I'm going to go in. A Navy chaplain told me, he goes, if I go through that, are you going to make me tell my wife what we talk about? Like, I'm not going to make you say anything. But that will be between you and God. But he goes, because there's some things I'm going to bring out that if, if, if it comes out, then I'm not going to be married anymore. Fear, deception, all these things. But when we work through it, God becomes a savior. Jesus becomes a true savior. And they cross a line from, wow, I'm no longer my own savior. Jesus is now my savior. That's what Matt said, my F-18 pilot friend said. He goes, I'm about to do this, Ryan. And we both fasted. We both fasted 24 hours from food. And as he broke his fast, he was going to go downstairs and tell his wife the things that we had talked about in his, in his bondage breaker session. And he said, if, if, if Jesus is really the Savior, then, then he's all I need, and I don't need anything else anymore. I might lose everything, but that's okay because I saw Jesus, and he, and he disclosed everything. And she came down the next morning, and she goes, I promise you I would leave if this ever happened. I have no idea what I'm still doing here. And she gave him a big hug. And he said he felt like as if the arms of Jesus was just embracing him, and, and he dissolved into tears. I talk to Matt every, every, almost every day. As I'm driving back, because East Coast time, it's the perfect time for me to call him. We just talk, and, and he is, he's taking other people through uh, the steps of freedom, like today. Got many stories, many stories of this. You can imagine what happens when you take people through this thing for, for, for a decade. The kind of stories you hear. And, and so I've just known that the enemy's got nothing on us. Everybody, the enemy has nothing on us. I'll give you one more verse. In Luke, in the Gospel of Luke 9, all authority and power has been granted to Jesus. And when he sends out his disciples, he says, I give you all that authority and power. And Jesus gives all of us that authority and power. You know the difference between the two words? In the Greek, there's exousia and there's dunamis, like dynamite power, and exousia is authority power. The difference is this. We have any um, MAs in here or policemen? Or, so policemen have authority, authority to tell you what you can and can't do. But not, they don't necessarily have the power all the time. So a, a policeman can say stop, and you should stop. But they don't necessarily have the power to stop that car. A 4,000-pound wall has the power to stop a moving car. Here's the point. Guess what Jesus gave us? Authority and power over all demons. Children, can you imagine that? You think demons are scary and all that? Guess what? Jesus has given you and me and your mom and dad complete authority and power over all demons. Isn't that pretty cool? Over sickness as well. Please hear me on this. Sickness as well. When we get sick and we get boo-boos and things like that, 
I use my authority and power in Jesus to tell that thing to leave. Sounds kind of spooky, right? Like, ooh, that's, that's, that's weird. <laughs> I just do what the Bible says. I, my, my, my health was, was taking a downfall um, uh, five or six years ago. My PSAs were going up. Prostate cancer killed my grandpa on both sides. Prostate cancer got my dad. He had a vest- he had, um, prostectomy. So this thing's rampant in our family. I said, Pastor, Pastor Chris, don't pray for me. Don't waste your time on that. I'll, if I get this thing, I'll get it. He goes, Ryan, healing's not for you. It's so that God could be glorified. I said, oh, okay. <laughs> now that you put it that way, give me the healing. I sat down in a group in Virginia in my buddy Dave Kim's house, and then I received healing prayer for the first time. I felt something go through my body. Never went back to urology ever again. I, I don't know. That, that, was just my, that was just my experience. Might not be your experience. That was that was just mine. I had people praying over me. You don't belong in his body. Cancer, get out. Prostate cancer, get out. Maybe 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 you haven't done that. Maybe maybe to try that. Maybe take Jesus at his word. If there's any bondage in in any area of your life here, uh, be praying about it. Lord, what needs to be done? Jesus has already won the victory. He's already won the battle. All we have to do is walk in the victory. Imagine fighting a war where he's like, yeah, we've already won. It's just time to just celebrate. Okay. Okay. Jesus is all tied in Jesus' mission statement, but I'll give you one last verse. One last verse. This is true freedom. True freedom is this. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You might not feel free right now, today, but just know if the Spirit of God is in you, you are free. That's true freedom. And the enemy will say, you're, not, you're obviously not free because you're just doing these things. We can go to Scripture and say, actually, I am free. I just need to choose to walk in it. The Scripture tells me, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I'm free to walk free. I'm free to walk free. And that's all I have, that's all I have for today. I'm going to have these books up here. I'll be praying for you. If it's, if it's your time, I'll sit down with you. We'll sit down with you. I'll ask, I'll ask maybe another chaplain to be in there because they have full confidentiality, and we'll just go. We'll just go all day. We'll even provide the food and the coffee, whatever. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for being the ultimate bondage breaker. Lord, the the assault on our life is in direct proportion to the glory that's about to be revealed through our lives. So, Lord, we claim victory in Jesus' name. We thank you for the freedom that you've given us to walk in. And, Lord, if it's it's our our time or this season to to jump into something like this, would you you make that clear? Or give us the courage to step into that, to step out onto the battlefield, onto that mat. And Jesus, it's in your most beautiful and wonderful, powerful, holy name. Amen. Uh, Would you please stand with us as we sing our, our closing hymn?